Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. If your Bibles with you, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 will be hanging out there. You can also... Uh, go to our YouVersion app, click on events, and then you'll actually find all of our notes on there, and you can fill out your notes and then save it to you. It's an easy way to do it as well. But we've been in a series titled The Advantage, where we've been really focusing on the power, the purpose, and the presence of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is given and what it means for him to benefit our lives, that the Holy Spirit wants to be in relationship with every single one of us over the last three weeks. We're on the fourth part of this series now. Uh, We've been really breaking that down, and Elaine did a phenomenal job last week in talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the charisma of the Spirit and how that impacts our lives and how God wants us to operate. Our anchor verse has been John 16, verse 7, which says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, this is a really big scripture because you would think it would be more important or vital that Jesus was here rather than sending the Holy Spirit. Now, it would be to our advantage for him to be here. But he's saying, I'm about to tell you something that may shock you, but it's better that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit to you. So here's what we've really been breaking down is that the Holy Spirit is the most important person on the earth today. He's the one who's active. He's the one who's moving. But I don't know how your background coming up, uh, your upbringing, um, we may have thought of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in different ways. We may have thought of the the Father as kind of that mean one, kind of laying down the law. We may have thought of Jesus as the loving, cool one that's come and the person that everyone wanted to be around, kind of protecting us from the Father. And then the Holy Spirit was kind of seen as the weird one, you know? Like, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit in this place. But the Holy Spirit isn't the weird one. He is is God, but he also is the one who wants to carry us and walk alongside us every single step of the way. And he's saying this to the disciples, and he's saying to us as well, that you don't have to face the future with apprehension, but with anticipation because of the Holy Spirit coming to every single one of you. And over the last three weeks, We've been breaking that down, and here's the title of today's message. Is he Pentecostal? Is he Pentecostal? Now, there aren't many denominations that are mentioned throughout the Bible, probably just one. uh, That's Baptist. Uh, John was a Baptist. John the Baptist. Never mind. Okay. That's not why he was called John the Baptist, by the way. But... We don't, from a denominational standpoint, there's many different beliefs on this. So I really want to clarify what Gateway Churches believe. We believe in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit today. We believe that what we, they experienced at Pentecost, and we're going to talk about this a lot today, that we can experience that in the same way, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and that we can have a vibrant relationship empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk out this Christian life. We do believe that. So we believe in water baptism, but we also believe in spirit baptism as well. to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk out the life that God has called us to walk. So I have three points today that are really going to focus on that and they're in the form of questions. And the first one is this. What is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? 
Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So we're going to talk about Pentecost, but Pentecost you need to understand in the the grand scheme of things with the other feasts that were there. Pentecost was one of the major feasts. It was actually the most attended feast because of when it fell. It was typically in the middle of the year. The weather was a little bit better, made it a little bit easier to travel. I believe this year is June 5th is when Pentecost Sunday is. But Pentecost was one of the major feasts. There were two other feasts in, that were major. That they all gathered together. And Passover happened in the first month of their calendar year. And then Feast of Tabernacles happened in the seventh month of their calendar year. And all these times they were supposed to gather together. And at Passover, there was a feast of unleavened bread and first fruits. And with the Feast of Tabernacles, when they gathered together, there was trumpets and the Day of Atonement. So those are the times that they celebrated. The Pentecost was a major celebration during this time. This is why it's important for us, and I'm going to tie these in with the Day of Pentecost in the Old Testament and the Day of Pentecost in the New Testament. Because many people don't even think, okay, Pentecost happened before Acts 2, but it did. As a matter of fact... Uh, the day of Pentecost was the celebration of God giving them the law. That's what it was. It was 50 days after Passover, God gave them the law. And in Leviticus, it tells us, Leviticus 23, verse 15 and 16, it says, From the day after the Sabbath, the day you bring the bundle of grain to be lifted up as a special offering, count off seven full weeks. Keep counting until the day after the seventh Sabbath. 50 days later, then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So very often you see what's concealed in the Old Testament is actually revealed in the New Testament. We're going to see that today. But here's what Pentecost means. I know many times it can be a scary word, but Pentecost, if you break it up, pente means five. Like when we think of a pentagon, it means five. And then cost means to the tenth power. So pente meaning five and cost meaning to the 10th power. So 50 is what it means. It, Pentecost literally means 50th. There's nothing to be scared about 50th, right? Unless maybe it's coming up your 50th birthday and you're a little bit scared of what that means. But there's nothing to be scared of. No matter what we may have thought of, that's literally what Pentecost means. It was 50 days after, which is why it was when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And Jesus at this time after the resurrection... As part of the first harvest, he comes and says, wait. And he was with them on the earth for 40 days, and he tells them to wait and pray. And then 10 days later, which was when Pentecost had fully come, the Holy Spirit comes and it changes everything. And it changed them, and it changed the future trajectory of the church. But that's what's happening in that moment. So that's what Pentecost is. So here's the second point. What happened at Pentecost? What happened at Pentecost? Acts chapter 2, verse 5. It says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Now, to get a little bit of context for this, you have to understand what's happening. God at this moment is restoring through the Holy Spirit a pure language. But at one time, if you go back to Genesis chapter 11, 
There's a story of the Tower of Babel. How many of you remember that story, the Tower of Babel? Okay, we have some people who remember. For those that may not have ever heard, okay, what's the Tower of Babel? Babel literally means sown in confusion. But in Genesis chapter 11, because of the people's pride and rebellion and they, the fact that they were, had the same language, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They literally said, let's make our name famous and let's build a tower up to the heavens. And it was interesting what God says in this moment. He says, we need to come down and confuse them. But because they are one language and because they are united, nothing that they set out to do will be withheld from them. And it's an important truth that we need to also understand today that the church united and mobilized is the hope of the world. That's what ultimately changes the world whenever we're able to be united with each other. And it's actually the Holy Spirit that does this in our hearts and also bringing us together. Because this word, ethnos, it means ethnicity. Every, every nation that is coming together. But so you have in Babel... You have confusion that comes, and God confuses their language and their separation. But then in Pentecost, there's a language that goes forth that actually unites them. The Holy Spirit united what was once divided. But here is what Pentecost is. Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel. I'm going to say it again. Pentecost is the blessed reversal of the cursed judgment of Babel to where there was once pride and rebellion and there was confusion, in the midst of humility and submission, God shows up and the Holy Spirit moves and begins to unite them more. So when the law was given on Mount Sinai for the very first Pentecost, it said they were gathered together as one. And if you read that story in Exodus, here's what happens. A cloud comes down, there was a loud noise and there was fire. But in that moment, God wrote the Ten Commandments, the law, and tablets of stone. But unfortunately, because of how they were living, 3,000 people died that day. In the New Testament, in Acts, when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, they were once again gathered as one. There was a cloud. The Holy Spirit descended with a loud noise, a rushing mighty wind and fire. Mighty wind the law and fire was written on our hearts. Was written on and 3,000 people and were saved. Remember, it's saved. Remember, it's the blessed reversal before what happened to all the beforehand. You all read the Old Testament and the New Testament because they come together and it's one beautiful story that God is writing and putting together. Acts 2 verse 41 tells us this. Then those who, were, who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. So when God gave them the law on the first day of Pentecost, they, they weren't able to keep it. As a matter of fact, as Moses was on top of the mountain, as you read out the scriptures, they were down there and actually breaking like three of the commandments. The first one was, is you should have no other gods before me. They actually started complaining and they were like, Aaron, make us an idol. They put all their gold together and they made a, a golden calf. And immediately they, they broke several of the commandments and even adultery because they were uh, uh, coming against their relationship with God and they weren't faithful to God in such a short period of time. So they were breaking them right away. And here's what's interesting. See, the law actually can't make you righteous. The law actually points out that you need a savior. And immediately they were breaking the law. So God's like, I'm gonna have to send you some help. I'm gonna have to send the helper to you so that you can live righteously. So Jesus came to the earth to give us right standing. 
The Holy Spirit comes to help us live righteously. You will not be able to live righteously without the Holy Spirit. And here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't do good. But in order to live how God wants you to live, it's going to take faith. Because that's ultimately what pleases him. And the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to us and continues to lead us. But he's here to unite the church. And I think, especially with what's going on in the world, if you look at the news every single day, of the hate, the rhetoric, and everything that's happening. The church needs more now than ever a church that's united no matter what race you are, no matter what ethnicity, no matter your socioeconomic status. The church needs to be a light to this world or what it looks like for people that have their differences, yet they're able to come together and worship the one who is greater than ourselves. It's important for us to carry what the Holy Spirit wanted us to carry so that people are actually able to be united together. But that's what happened at Pentecost. And here's the third point. I'm going to focus on this one for the rest of our time. And it's the third question is, can I experience Pentecost? Can I experience Pentecost? Acts 2, verse 3. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled. Your translation may have sat on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages or tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So Elaine broke it down a little bit more last week, but here's simply what the word tongues means. It's another word that kind of divides people. Tongues comes from the Greek word glossa. It has language, it means languages, but it also is where we get our word glossary from. So once again, it's not another word to be scared of. This is a simple word that a tongue is what he's doing in that moment. But notice that a tongue of fire sat on each one of them. And this is important because this word sat literally means uh, a permanent condition. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people and then he would leave. It was for a specific assignment in a specific time. Samson's one of them. The Holy Spirit would come upon Samson and then he would leave and then he would go off and do something foolish. But the Holy Spirit would come upon him for a specific moment and a specific assignment. Jesus was the first one whenever he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the dove. It said he came and he remained upon him. In the same way in our lives, the Holy Spirit remains in us. I was thinking about it in between services that David prays something after he sins in Psalms 51. After he commits uh, murder, he commits adultery. He, he actually pray, prays something that we don't have to pray as believers anymore. He prays, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Look at it in Psalm 51. Here's why we don't have to pray that prayer anymore. It's because of the work that Jesus does and because we are covered by his blood. So even when we sin, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. We can still have access to the Father. And the courage of confession all throughout scripture is always met with the gift of forgiveness. So no matter where you are today, you can simply come back to God because there's always a path back. But it sat on each of them and it said a tongue of fire came on all of their heads. Now here's what's interesting about that is that I, if we were there, imagine if we were there, I could see a tongue of fire on your head and you would see a tongue of fire on my head. But I would not be able to see my own tongue of fire if I were to try to look up to see if it was there. It would just go back with me, back on the top of my head. So I wouldn't be able to see it myself. So here's what 
They had to believe in that moment. It's what we have to believe as well. They had to believe that there was a tongue of fire over their head by faith. See, how are we saved? It's by grace through faith. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? It's clearly by Jesus' grace and what he's done and his work on the cross and the resurrection, but it's also through faith. That's how we can receive the Holy Spirit. And God wants to do this for every single one of us because it wasn't just the 12 apostles in this moment. It was actually over 120 people that were gathered together. And because of what happened in that moment, we are here today. Think, when the Holy Spirit fell on those people, we're here today because of the work that was begun in that moment. And the Holy Spirit is continuing to draw people to Jesus. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus says to them, hey, wait for the promise of the Father. This is a promise that the Father gave a long time ago, that Jesus would come and that he would send his Spirit. It's a promise from God. So it's interesting to me that it's really separated. It's very clear. It said, John truly baptized with water. That's water baptism. How many people would say they see that? You're with me. Okay. It says, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That is a separate baptism that happens in that moment. It's very clear. But he's saying the last words that Jesus said to his disciples weren't go. Go and make disciples of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was saying to them, you need to wait because you will not be able to be my witnesses on this earth without the Holy Spirit. So you need to wait for the dynamite power, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in this world. That's what he's calling every single one of us to. You will not be able to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit and without his power. And so many times why people get bored with the Christian faith, they sometimes end up walking away. It's like, what is it? What's happening here? But I, I promise you, if you read throughout the scriptures and you hear people's stories that are engaging and walking with the spirit and allowing God to speak to them that they're in the word, their lives are anything but boring because God wants to move through people and he wants to bring heaven to earth, but he wants to do it through us. So he's calling all of us to respond and be activated in what he's calling us to do because the great commission can't be fulfilled without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to understand that. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 39. This is their response to hearing the tongues. They're like, what must we do? And Peter replies to them, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord. So you can experience salvation, right? You can experience being saved. You can experience water baptism. My question to you is, why can't you experience spirit baptism? Why can't you experience? Remember, it's a promise from the Father, and the Father is a promise keeper. He keeps all of his promises. We can experience that. 
But I want to say the promise, we just read it, was not just for the believers that day. It said to your children and to all of those who are far off, whoever the Lord would call. So one day, Ethan responded to this call. One day, you responded to this call. We're a part of that group that was afar off from God. And he called us. And just so you know, your first calling isn't something you do. Your first calling is to go to him first. It's relationship with him. That's our first call. Which is why when they asked Jesus, what's the will of God? And he said, the will of God is to believe in the one that he sent. It's to believe in me. That's where everything begins. And yes, he has something for you to walk out. But your first call to him for relationship before he gives you the assignment that he's called for you to do. But I love it because it says anyone who will call, anyone who will respond to what he wants to do can receive the Holy Spirit. And he says it's a gift. So I have a question for us. Why wouldn't we receive a gift that Jesus wants to give us? In its fullness. Why would we not want to learn about that? Why would we not want to hear more? Why would we not want to receive the gift that Jesus wants to give every single one of us? And I love this because the distinguishing feature of the Holy Spirit is that he is experienced by all and works through all. There's not a spiritual elite that is out there. It's not just pastors who can experience and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants to have an experience and a relationship with you. There's not an elite few. So many of us don't realize this. There's nothing special, it's just people that are submitted. If you're willing to submit your heart and submit your life to what God and the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and in your life, you can experience this. Because we all have different parts of the body, but we're all a part of one body. My gift may be to preach and teach and to lead, but your gift may be helps. Your gift may be something else, but your gift is not less relevant because you're not on this platform. Your platform just looks different according to how God has called you. But every single one of us can walk in the gifts that God has given us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But most people disqualify themselves because they perceive they have some sort of lack. They perceive that, hey, I'm not enough. It's usually based on their self-esteem, not necessarily based on who the Holy Spirit is. Because if you feel like you're disqualified or unqualified, God's the one who qualifies. If you feel like you're unable, God is the one who is able himself and can make you able. And if you feel unsure, he's the one who can place you on a sure foundation. The only two uns that I realize that God can't work with is when you're unavailable and you're unwilling. Other than that, God knows who you are. He's the one who's created you. So many times we get stuck on ourselves and saying, well, God can never use me. You don't know about my past and bad things that I've done. I would say, have you read the Bible? (laughs) All he's ever had to work with is fallen, broken people that he can make whole. That's all he's ever had. So he can use you. It's not about your self-esteem, but it's about that the Holy Spirit can send whoever is willing to say yes to him. It's not based on us. It's based on who he is. And if we're unwilling... You have to understand the the Holy Spirit's a helper. He's not a forcer. He won't force you to move. You're going to have to submit yourself and say yes. So let's focus back for a second on the three major feasts. Because I believe that we, once again, can I experience the Pentecost is really the question we're asking under this point. Three major feasts. The first one was Passover. 
Passover was fulfilled by Jesus. Uh, we, we celebrate this Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But during Passover, here's what would happen. It's a little bit gory, but they would take uh, a lamb, a spotless lamb, and they would, at 9 o'clock, they would slice the throat of the lamb and then start the preparation process. If you love animals, I'm sorry. I'm going to describe this for a second, okay? But once again, these, these all tie together. At 9 in the morning is actually when they nailed Jesus to the cross. At 3 o'clock, they would prepare the lamb and then they would put the lamb in the oven. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon of that same day, Jesus was taken off the cross after he gave up his spirit and he was placed in a tomb. So this is what happened in that moment. And here's what else would happen. The father would take some unleavened bread and he would hide it in the house. And then the next day he would bring it out and then wave it as a, a wave offering representing the, the first fruits of the harvest the next day. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the bread of life who was buried or hidden and he is the first fruits of the harvest of everything that is to come. Once again, this is all connecting to each other. And if we believe in him, we can experience Passover and we can have new life through what Jesus has done. Most people would agree with that, right? We can, experience, we can be saved because of the work of Jesus on the cross. All right, let's skip Pentecost for a second. Let's talk about the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is when there'll be a trumpet that sounded, in, but it also celebrates a day of atonement. So the atone, just so you know, means to make at one. Because when the trumpets are sounded, there will be judgment. But if you're in Christ and made at one with him, you can be made right by the blood of Jesus. So we don't have to fear these moments of what's happening. But we can experience it even if we aren't alive. Here's 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So even if you aren't alive, if Jesus should tarry and not come while we're alive, you can experience it one day. And it actually says the dead will experience it first. You read it right there, okay? So we can experience Passover, right? You can be saved. You'll one day be able to experience the Feast of Tabernacles. But wait one second. You weren't alive when Passover happened. How can you still experience it today? And you won't be alive when the Feast of Tabernacles happen. Once again, I'm only going through this because this is some of the biggest arguments. So many people say, well, it was for that period of time and only for them as if we missed something incredible. We're missing out on the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our hearts and our lives during this time. But I want to tell you that you can experience this feast also. You can experience Pentecost. That's a good news for every single one of us that we can experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, the promise is to you, your children, to those who are far off, we can still experience it today. But the question I would have for us is why don't we experience it? Why don't we experience it more today? Whenever I was in college, I had a roommate that was there with me. We had bunk beds, and then we had this couch. It was a pretty big couch. Um, people would come and hang out, hang out on it all the time. And so there was one day where a friend of ours, um, we'll call him Brandon, mainly because that was his name. <laughs> but he would come and he had a fight with his roommate. So he's like, hey, do you mind if I stay on your couch one day? And we're like, hey, cool. Come on, lay, lay sleep. It's great. 
Um, then he came back the next day. I don't know if you've ever had anyone kind of overstay their welcome just a little bit. But he came back the next day. <laughs> this day, he brought his pillow and he brought his blanket. I was like, this isn't going the way that we think it is going to go. So he came back the next day. And I remember it very vividly. We were, it was late at night. We were all sitting there on the couch. And he was actually upset with us that we were on his bed. I had to quickly remind him, this is not your room. You're just here. So my roommate and I got together. We're like, hey, we got to end this. Because it's not working out. I don't think he's going to leave on his own. Like, he's, he's probably not. I was like, yeah, it's just not working out. He snores. And my roommate was like, but you snore. And I was like, yeah, so the job's already taken, so we don't need two people snoring in here. <laughs> but eventually he, he left, and it was great, and we're still friends to this day. But was he living in our room? Yes, he was living in our room. Had we received him fully? No. If you're a believer, is the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? Yes. The question is, have you received him fully in your hearts and in your lives? Because he wants to live in you, but he also wants to live through you. So if there's anything in your life, whether it's what you've learned in the past have you grown up or you just may not have known? Today can be a turning point. You could simply say, Holy Spirit, fill me with more of you. I want the fullness of who you are to be in my life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. At the end of every single service, we ask this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me through this message? It's not just based on this series. It's because we believe that Every single one of us are going through different things and God can use something in the message or even during worship to speak to our hearts, to give us peace, to give us joy, to, to speak to whatever situations we may be going through. In a moment here, we want to have an opportunity to respond. There's different ways to respond. One of them is in a, in a little bit after I pray, there's going to be a prayer team down front and they want to have the opportunity to pray with you. It doesn't have to be about what we talked about today, but it could be. But some of you could be going through many different things and you don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come and receive prayer. We do this every single week. We don't have to be embarrassed. I received prayer right before I came out. But we want to have the opportunity to pray with you. And some of us may be in this place and we would say, hey, I'm one of those that are still afar off. I came to church today. I was invited by a friend, didn't necessarily want to come, but I felt like I should go. Some of you may be in that place and you need to say yes to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart. He's the one who brings you to Jesus. But some of us may just be in that place. It's like, there's been some blocks in my heart and in my mind according to who the Holy Spirit is. It's been misunderstood. And because of that, I ignored him. But I want to receive the gift that Jesus wants to give me in its fullness. And some of you may need to make that prayer today. But in a moment here, we're going to go into one more worship song and there'll be people down front that want to pray with you. Don't leave today with the same burdens that you came in with. Join your faith with somebody else's. So Father, right now, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can experience Passover. We thank you that we can experience Pentecost and one day we will experience your second coming. But Father, right now, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room watching online. I pray that you would fill us 
Once again, I pray that you would help us to remove anything that would hinder you or hinder us from receiving, hinder us from being willing, hinder us from humility, Lord God. When it comes to your spirit living in us, we say today that we want to receive who you are fully in this moment, right now. And I thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to ask the prayer. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.